This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. 16, you say? Yes, episode 16 of Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and hello there. Hi, and can I just start with saying that I owe, I think you and I owe our listeners an apology. Uh-oh. I listened to last week's podcast. I didn't feel like I was on my game last week. That was a poor performance by yours truly. I hope not to repeat it. I've come especially prepared, and we even were doing some homework here before the podcast started. So was it I because apologize. you picked, you know, um, Decatur to beat Queen Anne? Is that where that was? No, 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 not at all. Oh, I don't, okay. I don't regret that pick. Okay, and I don't say that in any disregard of Queen Anne's. I don't, I don't regret that pick. But no, I just, I just wasn't on my game. I, I didn't really. I didn't feel like I, I came to play. So. I guess I should have listened to last week's podcast because I, when we were recording it, I kind of felt I, like you did. I, oh, I appreciate it. I just, yeah, I'm not happy with it. But we're <laughs> we're onward to number sixteen, and sixteen should be better than fifteen right. for, for me. That well, is. I'm not going to pay you for last week then. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So. I'll pay you. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me, let me yeah. give you a few bucks for the airtime. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start off by telling you this opening segment is sponsored by our friends at an optical Galleria. You know, we've been talking about them uh, with their brand new sunglass line known as Hook Optics. You know, they have more than just sunglasses. They got a complete eyewear line. And you can stop by an optical Galleria at one of their three locations. They're in the West Ocean City Plaza, Tealmarks Plaza in West Ocean City. They're on West Water Street in downtown. Centerville and on Harrison Street in downtown East and you can try on all their sunglasses. They have uh, an optician that uh, is in West Ocean City and in in uh, Centerville, Centerville yeah. and they'll be happy to take care of you and get you an eye exam and they cut all the glass and everything there and these sunglasses are just out of this world. They have the uh, plastic lenses and the glass lenses. They're all polarized and uh, an amazing product and I love my hook optic sunglasses and you love them too just stop by and try them on and i guarantee you, you'll be hooked so that that easy so uh we have a lot to talk about today do we ever um yeah. we are going to uh, talk some high school football we're going to talk a little college football uh my daughter you know, mega fan from the University of Alabama. <laughs> That's right. College check-in. Is going to check in with us a little bit later on, too. It's homecoming week at Alabama. and uh, I can't imagine the pageantry with yes, all that. Yes, <laughs> yes. So we'll find out what she's been doing to be a yeah. part of that. And, of course, uh, coming up this weekend, I get to go to my first Virginia Tech game. And uh, looking forward to that. But we'll also talk uh, you know, some other college football just besides um, Alabama and Virginia Tech. Cause there Another are, crazy uh, weekend. Yeah. We've had a shakeup in the poll again. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that as well. Uh, and we'll probably uh, you know, get to the NFL real quick um, yeah. as well. Not a lot of time there on the NFL. but You know what else is out, by the way? The uh, AP Top 25 preseason men's college basketball poll yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, and I'm looking forward to high school basketball season and wrestling season and being able to uh, uh, cover all of that here with the podcast this year. And basketball is something I love. I need to immerse myself more into Bayside basketball, and this year I will start to do that. See, and that's what I'm excited about with with this ShoreSportsMD.com and uh, also, um, you know, our podcast. You know, you've always been 
all about football. And yes. you followed football yeah. and you you know, and you do a damn good job for overtime live with I that. Appreciate it. And but it's exciting because we're gonna broaden your horizons a little bit. Absolutely. You know, you've even yeah. you've even taken an interest to a little bit of field hockey and some soccer this year and you know, but I mean when, once we get to it's gonna be a little easier, I think, for us once we get to the winter sports season because there's so few winter sports. I mean, it's it's basketball and it's wrestling and it's indoor track and field. So there's a lot of stuff we're working on. When you have the fall sports, my goodness, you've got football, you've got cross country, you've got you know soccer, boys and girls soccer, you mm-hmm. got field hockey, you got volleyball, uh, you've got the unified tennis uh, tournament going on uh, right now as we speak. Uh, because if you're listening, it's Tuesday recorded on Monday, uh, so it, the Tuesday is the day that the uh, uh, tennis tournament's going on for the unified tennis teams, which mm-hmm. is really cool and opportunity for those uh, with special olympics and students helping out and you covered some of the rec teams as well oh and let's not forget golf yeah golf yes absolutely we've been covering a lot of golf Mark. yeah so uh yeah that was a lot of fun um we'll, we'll talk about all yeah. that you know when we get going here right here uh with the timeout with shore sports and i tell you what uh we're gonna get started right away with in fact with our high school football report this portion of Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by Pretmoy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrette and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Pretmoy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So it was a unique week for us in the fact that we did the Thursday night football game uh, where we did Queen Anne's at Decatur and what a crazy game that was. I mean, it was great. It really was. And a resume building win for Queen Anne's. They came off that win at Easton, but then they had to travel to a better Decatur team on a short week and to come out the victor 35-34 in an exciting game. And again, KJ Smothers, another huge game. Queen Anne's ran the football very, very well against what has not been a good run defense for Decatur, but an exciting finish. Jake Coleman, hey, all in on going for two, and they get the victory. Uh, Queen Anne's gets the victory. Steven Decatur doesn't get it, but they still had a chance, Mark, uh, to score at the end Decatur has three timeouts they stopped Queen Anne's got the ball back and tried to drive down the field at least get in field goal range but they could not well with the game tied at 28 and then this happened snap back to pass quick out here too much for Handy Handy bobbled it picked off here comes Meekins Dylan Meekins down the near sideline nobody's gonna catch him he's to the five into the end zone for a touchdown a 75-yard pick six. Dylan Meekins off the deflection of Zamir Handy, who was trying to catch it. It was a little behind him. Another off-thrown ball by Snellsire. He was trying to reel it in. He batted it up in the air, and when he did, Dylan Meekins picked six city. Johnny on the spot, right at the right spot, right time. You know, Handy trying to secure it. We've seen that play a bunch tonight of the, uh, you know, just – that was the bubble route, and the ball was slightly behind. He got his hand on it, and as he started to bobble it and bounce it, you know, down, uh, Meekins just picked it up and gone. 3.43 on the clock, 34-28. 
So there you go. And and that was a night, you know, Snellsire was, he was behind on many of his throws, but we, oh, he's, he still had a big night, 391 yeah, yards yes. and two touchdowns. Yeah. So then he also had a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. They moved down the field you know, rather quickly. And I believe it was, they got to the four. First and goal from the two yard line, Luke Murgott in your Vegas package, going to pull it down, looking to run to the end zone, dive parties. In for the score, his second one-yard touchdown run of the day. Luke Murgott brings Decatur within one. So, yeah, and that one, my bad, it wasn't Snell, sorry, with the run. It was Murgott because they went with the uh, Vegas, pa- the, the yeah. Vegas package that, yep. they, that they bring yeah, in direct, for that. Direct snap to Murgott. Yep. Yeah, but this is the play that I, I asked Jake Coleman about. and uh, I didn't know you were going to air the clips. If I had known that, I wouldn't have said anything at the beginning. No, no, they would have given it away. No, you're good. Yeah. So you mentioned the two-point conversion. Yeah. Here's the call. Snellsire talking to Brittingham, giving him the play call. Brittingham behind him. One receiver to the far, a couple to the near. Give it, fake it, Brittingham rolling to the right side. Pressure, Snellsire puts it up into the end zone. And coming up with it, I believe it was an amazing catch. No, knocked away. And it was knocked away by one of the DBs for Queen Anne's. Bryson Coleman had that in his hands. It was in his hands, and it got knocked out. And thus, Decatur ends up losing 35-34. I mean, there were 52.8 seconds on the clock, and they only ran off. They didn't even run off 20 seconds with Queen Anne's possession. Yep. And, uh, and then the, uh, the Decatur Seahawks just couldn't take advantage of, one, the good field position, and, and two, you know, the couple of timeouts that they – well, I, I don't think – I don't even think they had a timeout left. But, Queen, uh, Queen Anne's, that is? No, Decatur. I don't no, even I, think I, Decatur had a timeout left to uh, once they had possession. Oh, once they had possession. You're absolutely yeah. right. No, they did not because they used them on Queen Anne's possession right. to stop the clock, which they were successful at doing, and they stopped them on fourth down, and they gave themselves a chance. And I, that's where Jay Coleman, too, was saying, look, yeah, we, we went for two. We didn't get it, but we still ended up getting the ball back and giving ourselves a chance to get the win. And they've got a good field goal kicker. But they couldn't even get within field goal range. And obviously, Queen Anne's knew they had to throw the football at that point. But, you know, K.J. Smothers, 242 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Meekins, 11 tackles and a pick six there. It was just an outstanding game. And, and that was really a come-of-age game for the Lions. That was a really good opponent that they defeated on the road on a short week. And they've got Wicomico coming to town. But it's going to be an outstanding matchup at Centerville. But give Al Waters and this uh, fairly young squad a lot of credit. And, Mark, I mean, they've moved up in the power rank down they sit at third and they play the number two team this week and then the number one team and the war on the shore if they went out and i'm not going to absolutely say that they would end up being number one but i would say that there's a pretty darn good chance that they're going to end up number one in my poll if they went out from here if they went out i don't know how they could not be number yeah one. i'm, I'm trying to think i, yeah. I want to give myself a little bit of wiggle room no, just there in is case no wiggle scenario, room bradley but, it, yeah. they are the number one team if they went well, out the only uh, yeah well i guess the only <laughs> The only sidebar on that is that the Queen Anne's Parkside game is being held out on the side in case one of these two games gets canceled and both teams have an open date. So they would end up finishing the season if they won out with two losses, where if Ken Island beats Bennett, which is expected, then both Queen Anne's and Ken Island would have the same, uh, or excuse me, Ken Island would have one less loss, but the head-to-head would go to Queen Anne. So, so I guess you would to. give it to them. Yeah. We, we are down the stretch here. We're uh, heading into week eight, and you mentioned 
They've got Y High uh, coming up this week, and that will be our Overtime Live Preston Ford Game of the Week presented by Best Western Plus Easton and for all seasons. Airtime will be 640 on 94.3 Winks FM and ForeverMidshore.com. But Y High, they took care of Parkside uh, 35-0 on Thursday night as well, and they cruised to that victory. They did, and they did it again without Darius Foreman. Eddie White filling in a quarterback did a nice job, and Jace Freeman, Mark, has been unbelievable. Another big game, caught two touchdown passes and had a punt return for a touchdown, and then Malik Leatherberry had two touchdowns, one receiving and one on a kickoff return. Why High's been really good on special teams, and after losing to Ken Island, they've gotten right back on track on the winning track, that is. Looking forward to uh, calling that game this coming Friday night uh, on 94.3 Winks FM. We'll continue talking about these games. But first, I need to tell you, Queenstown Bank is your hometown community bank. Serving the Midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking. Plus, they have money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to queenstownbank.com. So, Friday night. Well, okay. if I could just real quickly, sure. we, we learned Friday night that Foreman, though, will be back and starting for Y High. In I, that I'm game. interested in seeing how he moves because we never got total deca- details as to what it was his injury was. And, and mm-hmm. you're not going to get it with HIPAA and all that. But, I mean, his knee injury looked pretty bad. He's been out for a while. If he's able to come back and play, you can only imagine it was a sprained MCL or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you don't want to assume because you know what happens when you do that. But, right. you know, it, it was a knee injury. And to see him moving around, it's going to be good to see him back on the field. Yeah, and Isaiah Taylor said that he was warmed up. He moved around pretty well. It, it seemed like they just erred on the side of caution in deciding not to start him uh, in the game against Parkside, and they didn't necessarily need him for that game anyway. But it sounds like if they needed him, Mark, if they had to go to him, they could have. Absolutely. But you're right. I mean, he uh, likely he will not be 100% for the game against Queen Anne's. That's most likely. So you're right. How effective will he be? But I can't imagine if he wasn't going to be effective with the team, Taylor wouldn't start him. But White has been very effective at quarterback. I mean, he did a nice shot, threw some nice balls this past Thursday night. You know, I mean, do do you want to risk, you know, being that everybody gets in the playoffs, do you want to risk Foreman to another injury or re-injuring you know him before the playoffs if White's able to get the job done. I don't think Taylor would risk that if he felt like it was it was less than 50-50. If he felt like that he needed another week or two, then I don't think he'd play him. But realize, too, these guys have a finite amount of time for games and their high school career, so that's in consideration, too. And I would just say this. I know everybody gets in, and I know Jay Coleman made mention of that, one of the reasons he went for two against Queen Anne's, but seeding does matter. I mean, to a certain extent, seeding does matter to get a home playoff game. So if you lose these games, you hurt yourself. And Decatur did drop down because of that, and Queen Anne's rose up uh, and and overcome, uh, likely overcame North Carolina. Caroline as well with their loss to Ken Island. It'll be interesting to see how these final couple of weeks shake out uh, over the period of time. Uh, the team that I am really impressed with, and uh, you know, because of the cell signal there at their stadium, it's nearly impossible for us to be able to go and broadcast a game from there uh, because I have. 
T-Mobile Sprint. Um, so I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. Me too. Um, but uh, is Colonel Richardson? Um, they are five and two now after another big win. They lost their first two games to two A's, and then they come in and have absolutely run the table with five straight. And their big game is coming up this Friday night. They beat Nandua, what, 44 nothing, I think, last week. And now this week, they're going to play Cambridge South Dorchester. And uh, I, I think in some history and talking with David Inslee, uh, it was all the way back in, what, 2005 was the last time that Colonel Richardson was able to beat Cambridge South Dorchester on the field. Yeah, how about that? It's been it's been a while. It's been a long while, and we know that Cambridge has a long streak of winning the one A. And by our account, it's thirteen, and that includes the spring of 2021 which essentially took the place of 2020 since there was no fall season in 2020 so there's a lot on the line here and you've got to think at some point Colonel is going to get over the hump and this would be the year you know you've got 11 seniors you've won five straight this game is at Colonel Richardson you've got a senior quarterback Cambridge they've had an injury to one of the two quarterbacks they were alternating so that now they're mixing in another guy into the fold it's going to be a really interesting game. And Coach Gavin Parker was texting him a little bit. The former Cambridge coach said, you know, Colonel always plays his stuff. But if there's a time that Colonel's going to get over the hump and break this streak of not only one A's for Cambridge, but just getting a win against Cambridge, this is going to be the year, Mark. Yeah, your hand did very well. Could be. Uh, Luke Matrenko will be there live uh, filing reports with us uh, on our broadcast on Friday night. So uh, thankful he'll be able what, to. What, by pigeon carrier? Yeah, well, <laughs> thankfully, I guess he has Verizon. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so he'll be able to send those uh, reports into us uh, live. By, cur- by courier? Yeah. Yeah. Have I got somebody knock on the back door here? Very here well was an could. update. Very well could. So uh, we'll see how that works up. Uh. We'll talk about each. Easton High School when we come back right here. Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hey everyone, Chris Marks over at Preston Ford. I just wanted to take a second to tell you about our instant cash offer event where you can sell your car on your terms. You will receive an offer in minutes. There's no purchase necessary and we will make it easy and give you top dollar for your vehicle. The easiest way to do it again is to call me on my cell phone at 410-206-7404 or you can text me or you can go on PrestonMotor.com and we can handle everything right online. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. So Easton High School had a victory with the forfeit. And then they decided they wanted to play, which is a good thing. And they went to Mount Hebron on Saturday and ended up spoiling Mount Hebron's, you know, homecoming, uh, homecoming yeah. with a 28 to seven victory. Hebron scored on their first possession and never scored again after that. So kudos to the Warrior defense. Um, you know, I mean, Hebron came in with a three and three record. So, you know, I mean, it's not like they hadn't won a game. But, uh, you know, kudos to Easton putting it all together. Kevin O'Connor had a rushing score and three passing touchdowns on the day. 
Yeah, I, I mean, nice job. I'm glad they were able to get that game in. As you know, there are some teams like Ken Island a couple weeks ago, Cambridge this week that they tried to schedule an opponent because their opposition couldn't play for one reason or the other, whether it be not enough players eligible. In the case of Cambridge or with Ken Island, their their opponent had COVID. So yeah, I mean that's huge for them just to get the game, but to go over there a long trip and get the win after getting down seven nothing early on the road, uh, that's that's good for them, and they, they needed that boost. And then of course on top of that, uh, back on Friday, Kent County scoring their first win of the year a big one over snow hill it was and you know kudos to kent county and the trojans again it, this is a building year a lot of youth on that team and so it's not going to reflect in the wins and losses uh this year or the the success of the program is not going to be defined by wins or losses but development uh progress more competitiveness and you're really not going to see the fruits of their labor labor that is until next year and the following year now to be fair, and I don't say this to take anything away from Kent County, as we know, Snow Hill and Washington had a fight a couple of weekends ago, or a couple of week uh, Fridays ago, that is, excuse me, and there were players from both sides ejected. I know that uh, Washington had 10, and thus that's why they were unable to play uh, Cambridge on Friday night. Uh, Snow Hill, and I got this from Coach Dietrich Downing, uh, nine players were out because of suspension and another three because of injuries. He said he was missing key players on both sides of the ball. The the margin of victory, when you saw the Kent County won, the margin of victory really surprised you there. So I was curious as to, okay, what was the situation for Snow Hill, who's coming in at 3-3? Three and three, and Mark, uh, Snow Hill has not had three wins in a long time themselves. You're talking about Colonel. You know, 3-3 three and three is good for them. But because of the fight, they hurt themselves. But uh, So they lose, and they lose big. You look at the numbers, though. Think about that. They have 39 guys on the wow. roster this year. Because uh, maybe some playing. They rolled yeah. into the game, you know, at uh, Kent County with 25 plus, and yeah, and then to have nine plus, would you say two or three out injured? That's three players. Yeah, and wow. I need to d- dig in a little bit more. I-, I knew that they had a bigger squad this year. I didn't know it was quite that big. Uh, and and Kent County head coach Brian uh, Aiken said he was surprised given the amount of ejections and players out because of suspension. He was surprised at the amount of players that Snow Hill brought with them. But needless to say. You know, with uh, Snow Hill missing some key players, that game, that score at least, likely would have been different. Absolutely. Let's go to the Chinchek Sports Locker phone lines, and we've got the the voice from the past, David Inslee, with us here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hey there, my friend. Hey, Mark. What's going on? Uh, well, you know, thanks for joining us. We had just finished talking about uh, Colonel Richardson, and, uh, I mean, you are – it's not official, but you are the Bayside historian. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when you have OCD and, and, and you, you, you remember a lot of stuff that nobody else cares to remember, including the silly stuff, you know. Well, we had reached out to you because we were curious to know, and we knew you would know, the last time that Colonel Richardson had beaten Cambridge South Dorchester on the field, and you let us know. It was 2005. When we went back, we looked it up, 2004, 2005, sure enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, now there is a little asterisk there from 2006. Colonel won 13-6 in a game 
that Colonel had to forfeit. And uh, if you got a minute, I can tell you about the great Colonel Richardson homeschool athlete scandal of 2006. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. That got an asterisk. Uh, yeah, I'd like to hear about this because I remember the game, you know, where they did have to forfeit and didn't really know why. Right, right. Well, I think it was multiple games that they had to forfeit. So here's how 2006 began. Colonel edged out Woodbridge, Delaware. I want to say that game was 22-21. to 21. So Colonel starts 1-0, and always a good thing. Um, a couple weeks later, they play CSD, beat them 13-6. to six. But then word gets out that Colonel has to forfeit their wins to that point in the season due to an ineligible player. Uh, the kid's name was, uh, I want to say Ricky Shores, Ricky Towers, Ricky something. And he was, uh, and again, this is the asterisk, so every word I say now, add an asterisk to it, um, he was a transfer from Woodbridge, but there was a snafu with his paperwork. Here's how it happened. Um, he was pulled out of his school according to the legend that I received. Now, this is, this is hearsay that I got from Neil Lambert, who was a coach at the time. Neil tells me that young Ricky got pulled out of school by his mom to go homeschool. The paperwork to handle that was put on the desk of the lady that was supposed to handle it in the in the school district in Delaware per the procedure. But Neil said that the lady had gone out on maternity leave the day before. <laughs> so the paperwork never got processed. And thus, due to that, wow. that, that two ships passing in the night thing there, basically he was academically ineligible until grade check the first term there at Colonel Richardson. And even though he had extremely minimal impact, he probably touched the ball five times, didn't score, barely racked up any yardage at all in the games he played for Colonel to that point. His ineligibility meant that they could not hold on to those wins. So he was technically still at Woodbridge, but also technically homeschooled and also technically at Colonel Richardson <laughs> at the same time. So, uh, well, it's kind of funny because they started 2006 with uh, uh, with Woodbridge, and, right. <laughs> and, so, and then they did lose to Queen Anne's County 52-14. And of the first what uh, five games of the year, the Queen Anne's one was the only one where the score was left. Everything else was forfeit. So I guess those were wins that turned to losses. Uh, I want to say they were three and two. I don't remember for sure if they, if it's showing four forfeits, then maybe they were four and one. I, I, I that just doesn't sound right because Colonel going four and one would stick out in my head just as much as that scandal would. Well, they're five and two this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're doing great this year. They're the they're the number one one A team in the Bayside, and I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. Uh, uh, in 04, Colonel Richardson beat CSD for the first time. The JV had beaten them. Just before the varsity played, the JV game was at CSD. The varsity game was at Colonel. Beautiful night, mid-October that year. Uh, and Colonel was driving late in the game, failed to convert on a fourth down. But a flag was thrown supposedly on the CSD bench. I'm not naming names as to who the specific person was. But, again, the popular legend was somebody said a word you're not allowed to say on TV. And because of <laughs> or that. Or radio. <laughs> right. It was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And that USC foul um, kept the drive alive. Colonel went on to win that game 33-28 on the touchdown that came as a result of that drive. The following year, which was actually Dan Mangum's first year as an assistant to Neal, 
They ran the clock on CSD, absolutely pounded them at Viking Stadium, 36 nothing. I was at that game, wow. and some of the running backs for Colonel are still running around that field. <laughs> it was, it well, was pretty lopsided. And, and and there was a what? There was a brief time in between what Fleetwood leaving and Coleman taking over, was there not? Yeah, uh, Fleetwood left after the 99 season. Uh, Dave Bromwell, who's uh, currently right. the superintendent, you know, got stuff going on in Dorchester, so I understand, um, took over, had some 300-pounders on his line in, in 2000, went 10-0, and but got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Wow. And then they were 5-5, five and five, I think, the next year, 6-4 and four the following year, and didn't make the playoffs. So then he stepped down. Scott Dodson took over. They went 7-3, and three, lost to Washington in the first round of the playoffs that year. That was the year Washington had uh, Trey Church, Early Corbin, and Trey Collins as their, uh, their rushing attack. I think they threw the ball all seven times all year that year and won the 1A East uh, in, a, in a thriller at Snow Hill, but then went to Bell High, who chose not to play at the nice stadium at Greenway and instead – Played on a mud-soaked Mesmo field and beat beat Washington thirteen to nothing in the state semis, but uh, yeah, Cambridge went seven and three under Scott the first year. Then the following year they went, I want to say four and six, and, or three and seven, and losing to Colonel was the difference between them and Colonel making the playoffs because Colonel the following week beat Kent Island on a, a little waggle fade pass in the end zone, I think that was at Ken Island, 19-14, to 14, and that basically wow. gave them enough points to get in the playoffs. What year was that? That was 2004. Colonel over Kent. Yeah, the Kent Island, that is. It's Ken been Island. a long time to hear yeah, that. Yeah, 1914 now, was the score of that one. Yeah, I'm telling Yeah, it's also close to the year. <laughs> Dave, I'm telling you, you are, uh, <laughs> you are a treasure trove of knowledge, and that's why we love having you on. Now, we're going back. We were doing some homework. Now, obviously, there was no season in 2020, so we're counting spring 21 right. is 20 here. But by our count, 13 in a row, 1A titles for Cambridge. That would take you back to 2008. So Friday night, Colonel and Cambridge, if let's just say if Colonel were to win, then at that point, they would be 6-2. and two. They're likely to lose to North Carolina. They would be 6-3. and three. Even if uh, Cambridge uh, won out, or no, that wouldn't be right. At that point, I mean, that would decide it, right? I mean, that would decide the 1A. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so that would that would not only be the first win since 05, but that would break the 13-game 13 13 1A. Year. Their 13-year, I'm sorry, 1A streak that Cambridge has. Right, and that streak began in 08 yeah. with the infamous brawl at Snow Hill in Week 8. Yes. Cambridge was beating Snow Hill, and uh, late in the game, a Cambridge kid, um, you know, caught a long pass, and they – the kid that tackled him from Snow Hill and the Cambridge kid slid into the, uh, you know, off out of bounds basically by the Cambridge bench. And the Snow Hill kid came up a little agitated and uh, some people ran on the field from the uh, from the Snow Hill side that shouldn't have. And they ended up basically folding the program for the rest of the year. Mm. Um, you know, so that was the end of the reign of Snow Hill. Uh, you know, 05 was, of course, the year of Ben Tate when yep. they made the state finals and lost to Allegheny 41 to 20 mm. um in this in that 1A championship but yeah Cambridge has won it 13 years running uh they had a couple of years where they struggled to do it but they got there you know best of a week group once yeah. or twice but and, for and, most they've been strong and, and that's again and I I got a little confused when we were doing our homework that's not that is not head to head 1A that's just overall record of the 1A is correct uh it's kind of, it's kind of a combination of both 
But usually the way it broke down was CSD had beaten everyone else anyway and had a better record anyway. So they kind of went hand in hand because it, there wasn't an instance where, say, you know, Snow Hill went four and six, but those four wins were Cambridge, Colonel, Kent County, and Washington. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was always a case where they would go six and four and they would maybe lose to one team, but the team that beat them went four and six. You know, so they go overall record, I think, first, and then I want to say 1A is is kind of the tiebreaker well, there. But double-check that, that with Jake because yeah, he would know. Yeah, that would make sense because we, we found – know he would know. Yeah, <laughs> we, we found it. <laughs> and actually, was texting Coach Parker, too. Well, we found in 09, Cambridge forfeited to uh, Kent County, it was. But as the season oh, ended – Cambridge finished five and five. Kent County was three and seven. They were both two and two, I believe it was, in the one A. So that's how you know, Cambridge uh, came out with the overall record. They had a better overall record there uh, because if it came down to the one A, well, Kent County would have had it on the forfeit. Right, and Cambridge would have been, I want to say, eight and two that year, but they forfeited their first three wins in '09 for using two ineligible coaches because they had yes. Jeremy Allen, Burt Quails helping them out. And I used to rag on I remember that. at Parkside that, you know, if you're upset you lost to a 19-year-old, it's not the 19-year-old's fault. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Riley, Riley and I have a, have a, have a special bond. We've, we've broken bread together, and I can only bust his chops a certain amount because well, he's a great guy. He's probably at a Chinese restaurant. So David Inslee <laughs> is with us, uh, former writer for the Star Democrat. And, uh, yeah, maybe one day we can, you know, entice him to come on board with us at shoresportsmd.com. But, uh, yeah, until then, he'll just keep, you know, fledgling along, keeping his memory fresh by talking to us. <laughs> Well, trying to, you know. I mean, if your standards ever get so low that you truly want me, you know, you're welcome to, you're welcome to reach out and, and pay me in kittens like you used to. That's cool. Pay you in kittens? Oh, well, well, actually, it was dinners at Roberto's, as I recall. Yeah. Before. Well, and, and we put Roberto out of business, so. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I failed the, to pay my bar tab. Is what that was. There was even there was even a late night breakfast at Denny's in Salisbury yes. near the bypass that yeah. we all ate at one time. That's I still right. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you know, we yeah. we do we do pay in food. That's the only way Bradley gets paid. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's all that's all how it works around here. So, but uh, well, listen, we appreciate your time and uh, uh, stay in touch. We do want to talk to you about doing some more stuff with us, and uh, you know, so you know, to keep you active because you do you have such a wealth of knowledge that uh, you know that, that we can definitely um, your our, our listeners and our readers would love to know more about what it is that you know well i tell you what mark i've had this 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 seed of an idea floating around in this little teeny brain for quite some time and i want to float it on your podcast because i think you guys have a decent audience and it'll certainly get out quicker than if i were to share it with my nine friends on facebook um i've i've kind of for years now probably 10 years had this goofy vision of driving down say race street in cambridge and seeing this sign that says Bayside Conference Museum and Hall of Fame. Mm. And I would always, I always kind of kicked around the idea of curating such a thing. I always thought that would be really cool because we've got such a rich history here. Well, yeah, with, absolutely. We with do. athletics and with me having the connections that I had, I always, you know, always wanted to do it, but just never really had the time. And uh, I just, you know, Put out a feeler out there and see if anybody else would be uh, 
interested in helping me get something like that off the ground because I'd love to do something like that. I think the kids around here, the coaches, the fans, I think that would do them a service, a really big service. I would agree with you on that. I think that would be a fantastic uh, idea. And in the meantime, you can, you know, work with us. Okay. That's, so. well, give me a call later. We'll talk about that too. I love the I, I love the idea, Dave. I really do. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Well, listen, we appreciate uh, appreciate you joining us, and we'll let you get back to your busy day, and we will be in touch. Sure, sure. I was planning on disappointing your wife this evening, so that's <laughs> there cool. There you go. So you're <laughs> you're still living. All right. <laughs> Have a great day, my friend. I'm a bad cook. Don't get too worked up. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> David Inslee with us. Uh, it was good to have him. We'll yeah. be back and we'll talk more. Coming up, it's Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, welcome back. We appreciate it. Got to thank uh, Rick Perrette at Perrette Moy Therapy Associates for sponsoring this podcast. You know, we'll give him this portion of the podcast too since he's on Kent Island. You know, we want to talk about Kent Island, North yeah. Carolina. We haven't done that yet. Uh, of course, Perrette Moy Therapy Associates located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perrette and his staff get you back to feeling new again accepting most insurance policies so step away from the pain by calling Perrette and Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. So you and I, get, you know, being that we did the game on Thursday night, like we talked about with Queen Anne's and Decatur, we got to go to Ken Island uh, to see North Carolina at Ken Island. And, wow, what a game that was for a little bit. And it kept you interested throughout. It was. And first, let me say what a joy it was. It was a beautiful night. Uh, it was a great uh, turnout for fan-wise. Late arriving, as Ken Island always is, but it was a great turnout. I believe it was senior night. You had the band there. Uh, we had a lot of uh, students dressed in pink for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, it was beautiful, you know, beautiful turf field. And, and to be right there, right on the sidelines, right with the action mark, you know, we've been very fortunate. We've got a good relationship with uh, the coaches around the Bayside to be there. It, it, it always does me good. It felt great to be out there. You and I were there and you started doing, hey, Facebook Live, and you just started you know, recording and doing play-by-play like you were on the radio, and then we decided, hey, why don't we do uh, the high school version of Red Zone, of uh, the right. NFL Network's Red Zone, and then that's what we did when the teams were in the Red Zone. We even did a reverse Red Zone though for when North Carolina was backed up <laughs> in Kent Island territory, but really what a neat experience, and it was great during the season, Mark, for both of us to be out there in the, in the fashion that we were, and that's the first time OTL has ever done a Facebook Live play-by-play. And you you had uh, before the game the uh, Ken Island High School honored Coach Damon Ferragamo for his 100 victories that he mm-hmm. picked up a couple of games away ago. Um, before we talk about and the Ravens game, Ravens Coach of the Week, yeah, and yeah. Ravens Coach of the Week. Before we talk about the game itself, how mm-hmm. about the majorettes, the baton twirlers? Yeah, I was, was going to say the fire sticks. Yeah, yeah, they, they had yeah. the fire on the end of their batons, yeah. and that was fascinating. And mm. you know, it just. <laughs> It's always fun at, at Ken Island. They do a nice job, and uh, you mentioned the late arriving, and I, I blasted the fans in the, in one of our first uh, overtime live uh, live Facebook live feeds yeah. um, because they're they were six and zero at the time, and your crowd is late arriving. But I guess I didn't think about the fact that the game started six o'clock. Yes, and. 
for crying out loud, can we get back to 6.30 start times across the Bayside, please? Why does it have to start at 6? You know, 6.30 seems to be a happy, a good happy 6.30 is a good happy medium. This 6 o'clock kickoff stinks. Look, we even had a ref arrive late. Now, it was was his moving day, but still, he arrived late. He could use that half hour. (laughs) Speaking of refs. Yes. You know, I know that the Maryland, Maryland Public School Athletic Association has asked uh, that has created, you know, officials appreciation week, and we do appreciate we do appreciate our officials because now yeah, more than ever, Mark, they, absolutely because they have um, uh, they're short in numbers and, and they're getting shorter. Um, we we have a place on our website, shoresportsmd.com, to give you information to become an official because officials get paid and they get paid decent money to go out there now they don't get paid decent money enough to be threatened by fans or coaches however i i think you know there's no need in you know well, no room in the game for right, that that's a different story but maybe right. that's part of the reason and we'd be naive to think that it's not that may be part of the reason as to why there is a, sh- a ref shortage especially, because they don't want the abuse anymore especially in the youth football i yeah. mean it is getting really crazy you know be well, responsible with yeah. the youth it's uh, the youth is worse than high score college in some cases so we do love our officials but at the same time if you're going to officiate a varsity football game, know the rules. Know, you know, call what you see and don't don't try and be a part of the game when you don't need to be. You know, and football's a contact sport. Football is, I mean, it is high energy. The players are high strung. They're going to say things they probably shouldn't say. Sometimes I feel like you need to turn a deaf ear to that because you hear it in the school hallways already. Not that I condone that, you know, but I mean, kids nowadays are being allowed to run rampant anyway. Yeah, it is a different time. And look, you're playing, as you talked about, a high emotion, high energy sport. And we expect that just at a drop of a dime, you can change your emotions real quick and keep them in check. And, you know, and you try your best and you teach that and you work at it. But it doesn't always it doesn't always happen that way. And it's it's tough. And I guess know the moment is the best way to say it. Right. But I'm curious and I know we're going to talk next week more about this. I'm curious, though, with the shortage of refs, do we have some new refs that they just need bodies that you've got refs that don't really do know all the rules and that's part of the problem too but they just need the bodies to fill spots well i mean there was a ref saturday or friday on the sidelines that i swear i think they picked him up off the corner in annapolis and threw a striped jersey on him and a number on his back because he didn't know where to stand for kickoffs or nothing yeah you know the referees tell him move up to the 20 move up to the 20 well, i think he was probably a newbie mark yeah and i mean it's like i understand in a big but, game though unfortunately yeah, yeah. so yeah. at that point are you better going with a crew of four than you are with a crew of five well but you gotta if you can teach these guys along the way but again hey look you you're just starting out you don't know a whole lot you haven't done it don't make any major drastic calls because you're not there yet so i mean i i would say no put them in but you gotta manage them yeah but he's got a flag and if he sees a blatant block in the back on an interception return that's obvious you gotta call that you know but it's 
it's one of those things that by no means do I think the officials had an impact on the outcome of that game. However, I will say Owen Doyle was ejected in that game after picking up two quick personals you know, down near the end zone. He got ejected, which, by the way, those were his third and fourth personals of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at that point, the game changes because... Well, that's a major player. That's yeah, and Norton. I mean, he plays line black, linebacker, and fullback. he's their fullback, and yep. they're already thin at the running back position for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that end, for those folks that don't know, it was a very flag plagued or penalty plagued, I should say, third quarter, yeah. most of which went against North Carolina. And at one point, North Carolina drew two 15 yard penalties that helped move the ball for Ken Island into Caroline territory. And Ken Island did score later on as a result of that field movement. So right. it it may not have been the difference in the game, but it, at that point, though, that was pretty critical. And yeah, you've got some coaches that were not happy with the calls prior to that. They let their voice be heard or an individual did and then you had what a parent was it a parent that ended up on no, that side no it was actually it was it was it two was, coaches no it was that coach <laughs> okay so there yeah. was a coach that drew two penalties yeah okay yeah uh, but you did have to your point you had a, a, a parent i believe it was or a fan i don't know if it was a parent yeah. but a fan that threatened one of the referees from the from the uh, stands so you can't it, have that it, 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 it was actually the coach that made a comment okay. off cuff as he's walking out um that that drew the attention um um, uh, of the referee who okay. then had to get things straightened out. Um, yeah. The thing is that you you said it a moment ago, and it was perfect, and I'm trying to remember exactly how you put it, but basically you have to understand how to manage your emotions and play with a cooler head. Um, and at the same time, and that can be, that can be gone both ways. Um, you know, there's... You, Kids are going to do everything they can do up to that line and want to play to that line. Sometimes they'll cross it, and those are when they get caught. And sometimes it's the second person that gets caught and not the first person. And, you know, that game was a... It was a good game. I mean, it was, it was close at the half. It was. I mean, look, that third quarter went on forever with all the penalties and such. And you would have thought at the end of three, North Carolina was down two or three touchdowns. But when you look at the scoreboard, it's like, yeah, despite all the challenges that the Bulldogs had, they were just trailing by three points. It was 17-14 going yeah. to the fourth. So, you know, when you're looking at uh, North Carolina was uh, deep in their uh, territory. They're at the they one-yard line, half-yard line, whatever. And they had a couple of plays. They got out the 50, and it was called back and you know, by a, a holding penalty that was away from the play. It was. That was questionable holding to begin with. Um, and if you're listening and you have video saying it's a flat-out hold, I'd like to see it and how it impacted the play. Now, m- memory serves. I feel like that flag was thrown pretty quickly, though. Now, I don't think... Now, you could question whether it was a good call. Right. You could question why throw it if it's on the backside that had no impact on the play. Right. I agree with you on that. I'm not necessarily defending it, but I do remember from memory that it got thrown pretty quickly so it wasn't a delayed call that would have compounded how uh, you know the situation but that was pretty critical because yeah Doyle gets thrown out of the game they're backed up to their goal line they end up 
getting a completion for a first down on a turn-in pattern, if I remember, uh, to the far side. They get a first down. They get the third long, third and long. They roll out and get a completion. Bunce rolls out, gets a completion to the flats. That back is able to get all the way up to the 50. That's huge, but it gets called back because of that. And, uh, again, I mean, that's a huge call, huge p- turnaround there. Again, things may have been different if that doesn't get called. Yeah. So, it, it happens. It's a part of the game. And let's face it, we'll be talking with Bob Cannon next week. He's the head of the Bayside officials. Um, and we'll be talking to him next week um, about recruiting officials because we do need more officials out there. Um, and and we'll talk about the things that, you know, that they find challenging as an official. Because keep in mind, the NFL and college, they have replay. Mm-hmm. High school doesn't have right. that. And exactly. I don't want high school to have replay. Don't get me wrong. But they have replay. And high school doesn't. So these guys have to make impact split calls, second, yeah. split-second calls, yeah. you know, with without any inclination. Yep. You know, um, it's just you want to make sure that you have a qualified officiating group. And we've seen some games this year where we've questioned some stuff. But at the same time, they're human. They make mistakes just like we do. Yeah. A final note on on the refs, at least for me, is that fortunately, though, for the Bayside, Mark, there have not been games that had to get moved to a Thursday or Saturday Correct. like we're seeing on the Western Shore or in Delaware. So that that hasn't happened yet. Fortunately, but you know, are we headed there at that point? But nonetheless, it was clear the other night that maybe there was a guy. Now, Ken Island refs are from Anne Arundel County. Correct. Those are not Bayside refs, and In that's fact, a difference too. Kent County, Kent Island, and Queen okay. Anne's all have officials, and, and Easton all have officials from. An, the Anne Arundel County. Anne Arundel At least Decent did. I don't know if they came back. Yeah. Um, but uh, all the other schools have Bayside refs. And are they different from the Bayside refs? Well, in my, are my, they better? Are they worse? Are they in the middle? I don't know. I, I want to talk to you know Bob Cannon next yeah. week about you know what is it that how much training do these guys get? You know, and, and the rules training. I know a long, long time ago, I, I was an official in Fairfax County, Virginia. Were you? Yeah. I didn't know. And, okay. uh, yeah. you know, I, I had to go through their training camp uh, in the summer, and I did, you know, youth football games and JV and freshman football games. That's what I was allowed to do. And I ran the chains in high school football games and in varsity games. You know, so, but I had to go through a training process sure. and, and I didn't get elevated until I scored high enough and I didn't stay with it long enough to get elevated. I, I can't remember what I did, but, um, you know, so what kind of training do these guys go through? And, and it's worth it because in the grand scheme of things, you make more in as, offic- as an official than you do as a football coach. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you're out there. It's exciting. It's a lot of fun. And yeah. And, and you're there. And yeah, if you do your job well, then hopefully you won't be called upon to do much of it and you get paid. Episode get paid for doing nothing, right? <laughs> episode 17 is going to be pretty good. I'm looking forward to talking about Cannon. Back on the game. I know you have some things you want to. Well, I was good. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, this game, again, we talked about 17 14 early on. And just some things I wrote down. First, the Bucks, they didn't get away from the run, even though it was tough sledding. I thought they kept North Carolina honest. The pass protection was inconsistent because North Carolina's front was aggressive. The Bucks rolled out Burnside a fair amount because of it. 
Burnside's really good at eluding pressure. Yeah. I mean, the play that he completed to the flats that ended up uh, North Carolina forced to fumble, and then they scored uh, as a result of that on a nice drive, I think 60 yards. To see Burnside elude tacklers, get out of the way, avoid the sack, and get a completion there, uh, very impressed. And that's not the, the first time in that game that he did that. You know, North Carolina came out throwing a few times, so first down to mix it up. You know, Piavis was wide open. Now, the ball wasn't thrown very well, but, you know, Caroline had a chance to score on a Piavis touchdown early. I think they still ended up scoring on that drive, though, because you had the long uh, the long run, uh, I believe it was by Watkins, and mm-hmm. then Doyle capped it off. Um, but, you know, one of the things that stood out, North Carolina jumped a few times on third and long that gave Ken Island first downs. Yeah. You know, third and five, third and five and a half, where, and Ken Island did that a couple times. It's surprising from a, from a James McCormick coach team. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been a, a different group, I think, for, for them, you know, and again, with everybody getting in the playoffs, you know, you have to wonder. Are coaches coaching differently? Maybe that'll be a question you can ask them next week that, you know, as you head towards the playoffs, yeah. you know, is there more of a focus put on the little things, the discipline things? Early in this one, Mark, and we were right there on the sidelines, North Carolina gets stopped on fourth down inside their own territory. They decide to go for it yeah. and not punt. Ken Island, despite the good field position, they're forced to a fourth down. They got a touchdown, though, in the slot down the hash to Brockington to make it 7 to nothing. But that just it goes to show you there that uh, there's some gutsy calls there, but North Carolina responded, made it 7-7, seven to seven, and it was you know a back-and-forth uh, back affair. There was an illegal shift, if you remember, that negated a run for Ken Island to the two-yard line. They then threw a wheel-round completion, and uh, they were able to get a field goal out of that. But we mentioned North Carolina made use of uh, the recovered fumble in the first quarter on a pass, pass completion to the flats. Um, you know, Piavis ended up getting a really nice pass down the middle. They That tight end pop pass they went to a few times, and Ken Island just did not cover Piavis, didn't get him, or, or excuse me, was not physical with him off the line of scrimmage away that some of the coaches had hoped early on in the game. But uh, it, it then became a defensive struggle. But uh, that, was, um, that was huge, I guess, for Ken Island to score late in the first half, down 14-10, to 10, but they answered that. And even though Caroline had to feel really good about only being down three, for Ken Island to answer the charge and take take the lead there that was that was huge because that carried through the third quarter and what was the final of that one the final score was 38 to 14 there you go so all right when we come back we've got more to talk about right here timeout with shore sports presented by the preston automotive group if someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal take time to connect ask are you okay listen closely and without judgment share mental health resources for all seasons behavioral health and rape crisis center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge visit forallseasonsinc.org that's forallseasonsinc.org it's okay to ask for help for all seasons is here for you this portion of Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, is brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at ForAllSeasonsInc.org. And my goodness, so good to uh, uh, talk with David Inslee there about it. He's got so much knowledge. It- 
he, it's a still trap memory. I mean, if you if you're an Orioles fan, if you watch the massive broadcast, Jim Palmer can remember what pitch he threw to uh, you know the third place hitter uh, on a July summer day in 1971. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy, and, and, and he's got such a wealth of knowledge. He absolutely does. All right, I want to turn our attention to college football. All right, uh, Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and uh, we're going to bring our special guest in on now on the uh, Chin Check Sports Locker uh, hotline, and that is uh, the princess, my daughter, Mackenzie. Hey. Hello. So she, she is done with classes for the day. Uh, probably has some studying to do, but uh, we wanted to talk. About, I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about college football, and uh, there's a big shakeup in the uh, top 25. And you know, of course, uh, I had the experience of my first experience ever at University of Alabama football game when they beat Southern Miss. But and this is your first endeavor to college football, and I mean, you've been a fan, but you're not really a fan until you've gotten down there. When Alabama lost to Texas A&M, what was it like on the campus? Um, honestly, no one really knew how to feel. <laughs> we haven't lost in so long. Um, it was just kind of – it was dead. Nobody really, like, knew what to do because we were so used to just winning, which just sounds funny, but we didn't know what to do. Everyone was like, oh, so this is how Auburn feels and stuff like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, every other Saturday, it's just a normal Saturday when we win. But, like, when we lose, it's completely thrown off. Were, were there crying highs involved? Yes. Really? So people, people were... cried. Really? Just yes. the girls or guys, too? No, guys were more angry. Girls were crying. It was... I think everyone was just, it was intense. <laughs> man, man, imagine how Maryland students feel. Oh, they never expect to win, though. So, <laughs> Mike's shaking his head. I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that one. So, you know, those that listen, they know that I have a son also that at Virginia Tech. And they're getting kind of used to losing. And he texts me every week now about how... He hopes to wake up the next morning with news that Fuentes has been fired. They want a new head coach. They want a quarterback. And um, so at Alabama games, McKenzie, when I was there, the place stayed full, even what, even though it was a blowout. But, I mean, does the stadium empty at all, like in the lesser games when Alabama's way up? Do students leave early or, or do they stay for the whole game? Um, it kind of depends. In a lot of like the bigger games, everyone will stay the whole time. Um, but in games like Mercer, we knew we were going to win that one, so it was kind of everyone kind of left after third quarter. But it's the stadium still is packed after fourth quarter because everyone wants to hear Dixieland Delight and everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> so they can sing their own words to it. So yes. All right. So homecoming this week with Tennessee. It, it's a must win. For Alabama. Every week's a must win. Yeah, it really is. In the SEC point. especially. And, yeah. and, and now that you've lost to Texas A&M, yeah. every, every week's a big week. But it, it's homecoming there. So what – you're involved in the sorority, and but I think everybody's involved with something down there in regards to homecoming. So mm-hmm. what, are, what have you been doing this week uh, to get ready for homecoming? So even though homecoming is the whole school, obviously Greek life is huge, so – it's a lot of um, sororities, fraternities. We all do this thing called pomping, and it's basically 
uh, a big piece of art made out of little tiny rolled up pieces of paper. <laughs> um, and you put it out in front of your sorority house and the sororities team up with fraternities and everything. And we do that. And then we also have parades and events like all week long. So it's a huge thing. Sororities have dance competitions. Like it's super huge all week long. So it's a week that hopefully you got ahead in your studies because it doesn't sound like you have much time for school. That's just what I was no, thinking. No time. You have no time homecoming week. So, so but the teachers get it though. I'm sure the professors understand that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's so huge. Everyone knows. So your chemistry teacher was really cool. No test this week. Nope, I have a test this week. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, make sure you study hard. Is for a chemistry that teacher an Auburn fan? Come yeah. on. <laughs> That's what I think. So, my question is you say pomping. So, you're rolling up pieces of paper. How big are these pieces of paper? They're little tiny, like, I honestly, like eraser at the end of a pencil type. Like you throw it up. That's origami. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, do you tape them closed or so they don't unroll or? No. So you just roll them and they you have to roll them tight enough so they close and then you glue them onto a board and then the board gets completely like glued over and everything and gets put in front of the yard um, like the Thursday before the game. Have you been told or have you figured out what the hell you're making yet? Uh, yeah, we all know our designs, um, so, but every sorority has a different one, so it's kind of, it either has to do with, like, the theme of Homecoming, so, like, last year was, like, Return of the Legends, so a lot of people did, like, Star Wars themes, or, um, some people do, like, their philanthropy, it's kind of just up to the sorority to have a design, and it just all gets approved by the school. Gotcha. All right. Well, it sounds like a lot of activity still to come this week um, for homecoming. The game is against Tennessee. Have you found a ticket yet? Nope. Still trying. All right. Daddy's got to try and try and find her a ticket. No student ticket? Well, see, for freshmen, it's a little different. They can buy. They're offered up season tickets. Um, but you can buy one of two packages, and what you, it's a three-game I package see, and a four-game package, right? right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she took the one with LSU, which was a three-game package or a four. It's three. That will miss Mercer and LSU. Yeah, because she was already going to to the uh, uh, Southern Miss game with us. So. Uh, so, yeah, so she's got three games plus the one she won with us. Four. Well, you see what LSU did to Florida, and uh, they're uh, they're yeah. playing for pride. They're playing for Coach O, even though he's on his way. I, yeah. I, LSU and Tennessee, I, I'd go with LSU game over Tennessee, in my opinion. So my question yeah. is, see, the, she's in a predicament here because while she is in Alabama and she loves Alabama, when, when we toured Tennessee, mm-hmm. she really liked Tennessee. Oh, that was the other school that you looked yeah. at. Yeah. I forgot, yeah, I forgot about that. Too. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, Rocky <laughs> Or yeah. Rocky Top. Yeah, yeah. She, she can't tell many people down there that I like Tennessee, too. So <laughs> so she'll be wearing, you know, if she gets to go to the game, she'll have Alabama on top, but wearing underneath will Ar- probably be Arch. something Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, listen, uh, have fun. Um, hopefully you can get a ticket to go to the game and uh, call me later. and We'll see if we can't figure a way out to make that happen. Okay. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, there you go. My, my baby girl. Yeah, and uh, yeah, living living the college life, and I mean, hell, I'm an idiot. I never went to college.
You know, I went to Chesapeake College. God love them. You know, um, I still never graduated from there. Probably need just a couple more credits and I'd be able to get my. They ought to know, give you an honorary degree, right? But, you know, I love Chesapeake College. This is where I met my wife. And but I'm an idiot. I never went to school and and regret it to this day because I was looking at Penn State and, you know, and just could have gone and didn't go because I liked a girl and needed to work so that I could afford to go see her and never went. I, and, I have and, heard this story. And yeah. my kids, and they're mm-hmm. getting to, you know, they're enjoying the hell out of it. There's no doubt about it. And well, Things happen for a reason, yeah. and at least you're giving them the, that experience that you didn't have. But you're able to live vicariously through that. Absolutely. I mean, you're able to visit them on campus and go to the games. So you're still getting a chance to, to come as close as you could. Yeah, but I can't get drunk like they did. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I hope they're not. Well, but, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, my God. I, um, and my college experience, so I, I lived about 15 minutes from Loyola College. It was t- too expensive to go there and then also live on campus. And so I took advantage of just living at home. But I went back to my high school and coached to Calvert Hall for three years. Then my my senior year, I was a scout team player on the women's basketball team. So I, I got some experience there, which was pretty neat. But all in all, I have to admit, I didn't really, quote unquote, have much of a college experience myself as a commuter, Mark. You know, when I, when I was wasn't there for school i wasn't there i was i was coaching or i was doing other stuff but i wasn't on campus i didn't have many friends that lived on campus we were all the commuter bunch was its own group and we were almost kind of shunned by those who lived on campus and we were just separate groups so i didn't really get a college experience either quite honestly let's talk about college football georgia you know number one and they they hold on yeah uh, iowa finally gets exposed you've been talking about it for a while and uh and they got exposed by Purdue. Yeah. Yeah, the Purdue other was school that my it. kid was uh, looking at. And that game was at home, dude. Now, Purdue was due under Jeff Brom for a signature win at some point. But, yeah, I would have lose 24-7 at home like that. Not a good look. And they dropped out of the top 10. Um, and Cincinnati moves up to number two. And that's yeah. significant not only because they're a group of five teams, so they're not a power five team, but they're at Navy this Saturday at noon, Mark. Yeah, this is the first time that somebody not in a power five conference is ranked this high. So, uh, in a impressive run there they are in navy and uh, you can go see them in annapolis this weekend you can and uh you know may may navy rest in peace for this um (laughs) you know and then uh coming in at number three Oklahoma is still Oklahoma. They haven't lost yet. Well, they moved up because yeah. Iowa dropped. Yeah. Teams moved up. Yeah. 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 And then Alabama and Ohio State round out the top five. Mm-hmm. And I would suspect it's going to be Alabama and Georgia for the SEC championship uh, towards the end of the year because I, I yeah. just don't see anybody that can beat Georgia um, either. And hopefully Alabama has their issues solved. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's got a great defense. I'm still not sold on their offense against Alabama. I think even if Georgia plays a great defensive game against Alabama, I still think Alabama has enough that they're going to outscore Georgia, not the other way around. So that's what I'd be concerned about if I'm a Bulldogs fan. But, yeah, it's it's likely to be those two. We'll continue our conversation with college football coming up here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. And this portion of Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by Midshore Exteriors. Handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com. 
All right, college football. Time out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. And uh, their drive to the top 25 is on at Preston Ford. So uh, if you're in the market, uh, this is your time. So Virginia Tech gets blown out by Pittsburgh. Yes, after playing Notre Dame really tough at home. Yeah, Yeah. and Syracuse comes to town. Syracuse played really hard in their game. Against Clemson. On on Saturday. I mean, they... Clemson struggled with them. Clemson almost lost to them. Yeah, well, Clemson's offense is horrible, but Syracuse has played them tough over the last four or five years. They played it really tough, and Sean Tucker, star running back for Syracuse, went to my alma mater at Calvert Hall. Oh, look at that. Another Calvert Hall drop in there. So, the, the junior college. So, uh, but, but yeah, so yeah, this coming Saturday's game is not going to be an easy one for Virginia Tech. And No. I, I don't know what their problem is other than their quarterback's not accurate, and the coach has some, you know, the offensive play calling is leaves a lot to be desired for Hokies. Yeah, I, I don't follow them enough to be able to speak in too much detail, but obviously if you have quarterback issues, that's going to be a big problem for your team as a whole. And yeah, Fuente right now, just based on production, he's probably on the warm seat. I don't know his contract situation, but yeah, Syracuse coming to town. And Syracuse, if you look at their losses, Mark, I think all their losses have literally been by three points each this year. Unbelievable. So uh, we'll see how that plays out uh, on Saturday. A 12.30 kick. So it's going to be an early were, Saturday morning for me. You were talking about that last <laughs> week. Yeah. So, but at least the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. So we have that to look forward to. So uh, the other teams that I want to talk about, Maryland. Yes. So Maryland was off this week. They were. Yep. A number of Big Ten teams had a bye week. Yeah. And, and so what? What looks ahead for them? So they play at Minnesota Saturday at three thirty. Now that's a Minnesota team that, if you remember, they lost to Ohio State week one at home, but forty five thirty one. I think the final was at that one. They played OSU tough, but they lost their starting running back for the year to injury. Well, their second leading back who stepped up to do a good job. They've lost him for the year now. Yet they still, with their third and fourth string running backs, came out. Their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, had an excellent game. They beat Nebraska. They're 4-2. They were kind of left for dead. They played really well. Oh, and by the way, the team that has the biggest offensive line in the country, Minnesota, one of those linemen just decided to enter the transfer portal and leave. But So for Maryland, though, it's going to be on the road. It's going to be a tough task, but there should be healthier. They've had uh, time to prepare, but this is a game, and the game's upcoming against the Minnesotas, Indianas, the Rutgers of the world. We thought before the season began, Michigan State and Michigan may be a different story now, but these are the games where Maryland really, this is, this is do or die time. Uh, teams that are on, I would say, their level talent-wise that they they should beat or they have an opportunity to beat. We'll see if they could go and do that. It was another big win for Salisbury uh, coming this past uh, Saturday. They beat Rowan College 24-7. Uh, Joey Bildstein, who was a graduate of North Carolina High School, fullback there, uh, carried the ball 15 times for 110 yards, averaging 7.3 yards a carry. Longest run was 40, and he scored a touchdown. So uh, he's 
always having a great uh, time there. Uh, Bert Treckengost, who was a yeah. kicker for Kent Island, Kent Island High yeah. School, uh, five kickoffs and uh, does a nice job. Two touchbacks, uh, averaging 59.2 on those kickoffs. And uh, I don't see where he had to uh, kick a field goal or anything, but uh, still, nonetheless, uh, a nice job there uh, by our friends in Salisbury. And uh, their homecoming, I think, is coming up this week uh, as well uh, in, uh, in Salisbury. You know, the one thing that's disappointing, though, no Route 13 rivalry with Wesley College. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, they are going to be playing Keene coming up this week okay. uh, at uh, Seagull Stadium. Kickoff is set for 1 o'clock if you'd like to go that. Tickets are just 7 bucks for general admission, which is pretty cool considering I pay like 75 for you know hokey tickets. And, um, and they're <laughs> one of the better. I mean, we're talking about one of the better Division three college football teams out there. We're talking top 10, top 15 in the country. And they, they lost, I don't think it was by a, a huge margin, but their only loss so far this year, again, was Wisconsin-Whitewater, who was right I believe number third in the country at the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, a big win for them last week, and uh, they're looking to continue that. They're ranked 13th and 16th, respectively, in the two different polls there. You go. Uh, there. Frostburg, um, again, I know they're not a short team, right? but uh, again, another impressive win for them uh, on Saturday. But short uh, players that make up some of that team. Yes, they do. In fact, uh, several short players yes. make yeah. up that team, including... Uh, Matt Griffith's son, Drew Griffith, who is a uh, starting lineman for them. And how do they make out, Mark? Well, you know, Mike, it'd be nice if their <laughs> their you know, page was a little more, uh, you know. Accessible? Well, it's accessible, but it'd be nice not, if not it was. Not fast enough. Yeah, it's, you know, they make it a little more difficult for us to get to things. So hey, let me tell you how they did, Mike. <laughs> they actually ended up beating uh, Wheeling on their homecoming weekend, 41-17. Uh, in that contest, and uh, they've only got one loss, and that came to Notre Dame, Ohio, uh, 23-21 last week, and they've got a few more games. they got Fairmont State and uh, Alderson Broadus, and then it looks like uh, West Virginia Westland and West Liberty to wrap up the year. And I know Griffith was saying that they may move the Fairmont State game to Thursday, but they haven't done that as of yet. So uh, having a good year, and uh, again, it's a Division II football team that uh, looks to be uh, making a run towards the playoffs. You know, it's interesting. I don't know why. We know Division I football. We even know Division I 2A, and we know Division Three. Division Two, nobody talks about. Yeah, but yet it's it's well, it's higher than D three. <laughs> yes, so, no, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, some of the shore players that are out there. Zach Strand, who um, is actually going to play again, he gets a red shirt this year, an injury red shirt. He tore an ACL, mm. so uh, he'll be back at linebacker for them again. A, a sixth year senior, uh, pretty yeah, much. Call his name a lot. Uh, yeah, back in the Bayside Conference. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, scrolling through the list of course we already told you drew griffith mm -hmm. is uh, on that team uh several players from the, the maryland the state of maryland um because they they do go hard kai davis is a, a red shirt freshman there a kid that played at jm bennett um, and uh, he plays yeah, that, quarterback. Yeah, yeah if yeah. you remember that That's name. Yep. Uh, he plays there. Uh, then we've got, uh, as I'm scrolling through the roster, uh, finding any of the other kids that uh, here on the shore, uh, you have a kid that actually played a, 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 a Keontae Nutter, uh, lives in Salisbury, but he went to the Washington uh, ACA. 
uh, school. So it didn't play here in the uh, on the shore, but uh, did live. And he might have a one time though. That name is familiar. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's another kid from the shore that is playing in Frostburg. Uh, but like I said, a lot of kids from the state of Maryland uh, going to Frostburg to be a part of that team and and a part of the success that they are having there, uh, in particular this year. Yeah, and they, they used to have a big rivalry with Salisbury, and they used to play that game in Baltimore. Uh, or, or, at, yeah. uh, or, or at Navy Marine Corps Navy. Stadium, because yeah. I, I remember going to a game mm-hmm. and watching them play. Salisbury actually won that game, I believe, uh, the uh, one year I went to see that. So, you know, pretty good stuff. Uh, Derek Dua, if you remember that kid, a nose guard. From Easton, he's a okay. sophomore. He's okay. yeah. he's playing there uh, as well. So, yeah, it, it's always good to see kids that uh, you know, play here and go play there. Uh, Trinell Clanton from Cambridge South Dorchester, a redshirt freshman. Uh, so he'll play more next year. Grant Copper is there uh, playing. A, a this more year. recent name, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yep. he's a freshman there mm-hmm. uh, this year as well. So yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Where they're playing, the fact that they are going there from here is the most impressive part for me. And uh, we'll be trying to catch up with a lot of those kids when they come back um, from, uh, you know, for the holiday break so that we can talk about them on shoresportsmd.com. Colby Walters, a kid from Kent County, if you remember, redshirt freshman. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, He's another kid that's going to be able to to do more because he is a redshirt freshman. But Delane Fitzgerald and the rest of the coaches there are doing a great job. Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned last week, Frostburg had languished for a while in Division Three, and then they really got it ramped up and going and very successful. And then they say, hey, we want to make the move to D2. And with that comes some NCAA requirements to do it. So it's not just, hey, we want to jump to D2, and it automatically happens. Uh, so they've made a real commitment to winning football there in Frostburg, and good to see Bayside players being a part of it. This NFL segment brought to you by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, now offering 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. We've talked high school. We've talked college. The NFL. Can I just say how disappointed I am in the Washington football team organization? And it has nothing to do with their play on the field. Oh, I, uh, you're referring to the Sean Taylor, the last-minute Sean Taylor tribute. Yeah, yes. the, the three days prior, hey, all these emails that have been uncovered in our investigation, uh, Sean Taylor retirement plan that they have you know sean taylor uh killed tragically 14 years ago i believe it was and uh just really took away a big impact player that had potential to potentially be a hall of famer that's yes. what the professionals were saying yeah, and, killed in the home invasion yeah and uh you know so the football team the hierarchy, you know, the upper management of the football team decides three days before Sunday that, hey, we're going to retire his number. Now, they were already going to do a uh, ceremony out in front of the stadium, renaming the, the stadium street uh, to Sean Taylor Avenue. So that had our, I that, thought that, that was had a already part been of, planned okay. and, and they okay. had got all a part of Alumni Weekend. His family was coming. So that was there. But then they turn around and okay. they put this on top of it. 
and then they retire his number. They retire only his the number. third Redskin to ever have their number retired. Correct, yeah. and just the whole the whole ordeal and the way it went down. I mean, presenting you know his family in in front of porta potties, you know, putting the number twenty one on the field uh, for you would think if you're going to really put something on the field, you would. Mark it off so people can't stand on it. Well, they they did, but some people, unfortunately, no, like Patrick they, Mahomes. Went. They told them to stand there. Well, I saw a rope around one of the numbers. Okay, well, he was. They were told to stand there in that thing, and so uh, Patrick Mahomes' brother issued apology an apology on Monday that he meant no disrespect. He was told to stand there, and they were just dancing, and he really wasn't, you know. Focused on what was going on. His brother is ridiculous. But I know Patrick Mahomes himself and his wife were doing TikTok videos inside the roped off portion with the number around it. Or maybe they put that rope. Maybe they roped it off later after after they saw his brother standing. I don't know. It just you know what? It's Mark. Let's be honest. It's it's and I hate. I'm not saying this is you know. It's a terrible organization. At this point, it really is. And it's a disgrace. You know they they brought in. They brought in some great people to try and turn this around, but the whole problem is is the top is still there. Yeah. And, and I've never said this before, but it's time for Dan Snyder to go. Sell the team to somebody. doesn't even have to be a fan like he is. Sell the team to somebody that can do something with this organization and run it right with that. And listen, I'm not naive enough to think that the Washington Redskins are the only team ever to sexually harass women and cheerleaders and such like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's out there. I got that. But you have made a mockery of this once- pristine organization yeah, proud franchise with, yeah. proud fr- with, with jack kent cook and, and all them running the organization and now you've taken it over and you've run it into the ground and yeah. it's time for a new owner and, and the interesting thing is so last week the, the whole john gruden thing comes out but i don't think people know the origins of uh, all this there's a lawsuit between dan snyder and bruce allen concerning it's a defamation lawsuit that dan snyder is levied against bruce allen and what the Allen, or excuse me, what the Snyder folks or the legal team were trying to establish is that Bruce Allen had contact with the media, even though Allen claims he never talked to the media, and that's where the Adam Schefter email comes out. But somehow through all this, John Gruden gets thrown under the bus, and I'm not condoning what he said in those emails, but somehow John Gruden gets thrown under the bus. We have no idea if Bruce Allen responded to any of those and what he said. Where is Bruce Allen? But it's just whacked out. Where do you think out. those redskin, topless redskin cheerleader pictures came right, from? It's just whacked out how John Gruden gets thrown under the bus here, but where where's anybody else paying a price for for all this yeah i know the redskins paid a 10 million dollar fine to the league but just with all that's going on it's amazing to me how snyder was able to buy out his family and now has like 85 percent control of the team or move or 100 control at this point now. well and at their or buy out the other owners right. or whatever and, and at this point you know the nfl says we've gone through every one of those emails right. and there's nothing in there to implicate any other active right. nfl coaches or, or anybody or anybody right, right. six hundred fifty thousand, and they think we're an idiot yeah so and we know different so I, i'm just i'm over it 
I am. I'm, I'm over it and can't say that I'll never watch my Redskins again because that's a big commitment for me because I, I've been a fan all my life. Yeah. I can't stand the Cowboys. I can't stand the Eagles. I can't stand the Giants. And yes, I hear you Ravens fans. Come on over. We got room for you. I've always said the Ravens game day experience at that stadium is 10 times better than the one at the crappy FedEx field. However, I'm still not a Ravens fan. I, I don't want root you to, against them. Yeah, I but. get it, and I wouldn't want. I, look, I, I, I don't want you to change just because of, of this. You are, you know, it is what it is. You're right. the fan of the team, and and that that shouldn't change. But I, the, the thing that I hate to say is, Mark, if there was going to be an ownership change, and the NFL was going to come down with pressure on Snyder and all that, what happened already? They yeah. allowed him to buy and out right. and gain more control. So I don't think right. he's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, you're probably right. Before we get out of here. Real quick, I got to give props. I've just mentioned the Ravens. You know, it was a big game, a big test for them this week with the, the Chargers and the Ravens. And boy, the Ravens shut up everybody, didn't they? They had a good week. Uh, again, it's too early in the season for me to make any bold predictions with them being 5-1. and one. But yes, I mean, their defense clamped down on what's a very good offense. And the offense early on for the Ravens had their most production that they've had in the first quarter this year. And that was paramount. So they get out to a 7 nothing lead, but then early in the second quarter, a 14 nothing lead. And that really helped because then, after the Ravens forced three straight punts and then a turnover on downs, then L.A. became a lot more predictable at that point and it certainly helps the defense out congratulations to them a big win for them a big win for the Steelers last yeah, night it was or on Sunday night yeah it was Watt with the strip sack and then that got a field goal the game-winning field goal there and yeah because they're three and three the Steelers are now tied with the Browns who have a Thursday night game against Denver but they needed it because they're playing from behind you know since he's four and two the Ravens are five and one so that was a, that was a big win for them early in the year here good stuff with the NFL we got to thank uh, our buddy David Inslee for coming by Mackenzie my daughter also for stopping by as well and uh, hey, don't forget Chop Tank Community Health, who is one of our sponsors, reminding you to get your flu shot. Yep, the flu shot and the COVID shot, all available. ChopTankHealth.org if you'd like get to, to get more information uh, on that. Again, thanks to all of our sponsors uh, for uh, stepping up and being with us uh, this year. And, of course, uh, all of you for spending the time and listening to our podcast. Don't forget, have something you want to add, you want to complain, you want to give us an idea, somebody to talk to, somebody that you think would make for a great story. You can send it to me at Mark at ShoreSportsMD.com. Com or Mike at ShoreSportsMD.com. Yeah, I still haven't gotten any blowback from the Queen Anne's County Lions fans for yeah. picking against them for two straight weeks. Oh, yeah. and, I'm looking know, forward coach, to seeing your pick this week. Coach <laughs> Coach Waters said, have Mike Bradley keep picking against us. Yeah, and I have a feeling he will. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next Tuesday right here. Time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoreSportsMD.com.